My guest today is an amazing singer, songwriter, musician, and member of the band Winger. Of course, I'd like to welcome Kip Winger to the show. Hey, Kip, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good, man. Uh, thanks for being here. Got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and get started. The band has a new album, Better Days, coming out April 22nd. So tell me about the record. Why did you decide to make an album? How do you decide it's time? How did the songs come together? You know what? I, five years has gone by between Karma, and I, I just have no idea how that happened. I really don't. I mean, I, I, uh, it just seems like yesterday that we were working on that. So it was just basically, you know, Rebs and Whites brought to Berkeley. He's Professor Berkeley, John's in Fire and Starship. So it's kind of like, you know, I try to pick a time mostly when Reb's available to do it, and then, you know, we go from there. So I'm actually trying to pencil in a time we could actually get started on one, a new one now. So it's <laughs> right. time goes by. But Are you always writing on the side on your own, and then you sort of come to them with, here, I got like 20 songs, or do you start from scratch every time? No, 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 no. no. I, I'm not a believer in that, especially with Reb and me. We sit down and we write it on the spot. We wrote Karma in 10 days. So we're real fast when it comes to that. We know what we're looking for. And, you know, we're both, we work really well together after this long of a time. So yeah, I just, I'm not a big believer in bringing old tunes into the mix with this band. I do it on my solo thing. Mm -hmm. I'll flex on over, over however many years and then, you know, pick the best stuff and try to figure out what I'm saying. Um, right. You, know. you went sort of for a, a kind of traditional winger sound on a, on a bunch of songs on this album. The, the first single, Rat Race, was really kind of old-school winger. Um, was that intentional? Well, you know what? I think we've hit our stride. I think we know what the what the strengths of the band are. So for me, when I go into the studio, it's like we're a riff-oriented band. We, write, we come up with the best riffs we can, and then we go from there section-wise. And uh, it's kind of one riff to another riff, and then, right. you know, kind of arranging it from there. And then, and then I, more and more, I'm trying to, feature the players in a way that, you know, shows their strength. I think Tin Soldier is a perfect example of that, um, where we'll just take a section and let Rod rip it, you know, over the solo or something. There is a basic formula that we follow in terms of just how we get off to a start, but once the song is born, you know, any all bets are off, it could, it could go anyway uh, in any direction. But... Um, you know, with a band like this, you know, you don't, you, you, there is a certain circumference that you want to uh, abide by in terms of quality control, man. That's really right, cool right. editing, edit, ed editing yourself and knowing when your ideas are shit, you know, I mean, like using just the best ideas. Then there is a more of like, a, I guess if we can use the word prog sounding track like Tin Soldier, which sort of kind of lends into how how we can feature you on our site. Um, I've always felt like you you guys have had a little bit of that element on every album with like a couple of songs here or there where you showcase the soloing and, and uh, a little longer tracks. Is that something you tried to do deliberately on each record or, or on this album as well? Or like you're saying, it just sort of happens. Well, for a long time, I mean, when, when we came back with Winger 4, that was very prog-oriented. When we came back after that, I thought, well, shit, the future of this band is in Prague because Rod's from the Dregs and Red's really a fusion guy and, and I'm a 70s guy. So really, that's really the answer. And I did Winger 4 and no one got it because it really, you know, once you're known as one thing, it's very hard to break out of it, you know. So, so I tried that and it was a, 
for me and for some, a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, it's your best album, but it's very sophisticated and a lot of main group core fans didn't really get it. Right. So I had to face the fact that I, you know, originally put out, uh, I originally put out a box of Cheerios and then I tried to put out a box of, you know, uh, Frosted Flakes and they're like, oh, <laughs> you know, so, right. um, there's always been elements of prog rock in our band. I think I just overdid it on Linger 4. Um, so I pulled back and went to Karma and gave, you know, just went heavier and more straightforward, keeping the quality control of the riffs as up as high as I could, and, and people loved it. So right. on this album, I was like, well, let's try to reintroduce, you know, some of the original love of the band, and let's, we made a conscious effort to go, let's do a prog song. And let's not make it a long form prog song. Let's, let's make it a three, four minute song. It's got like, you know, the highest ingredients of what this stuff is. And that's kind of what some songs is all about. You'll notice, I mean, I don't know, did you ever hear of Discipline by Kate Brimson? Sure. Yeah. You know that record? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know that? You know that song, Mate Kudasai, the ballad on that, that album? That's really what I was hearing on the verses when I sang and told it. That, that's where the melody came from. Okay. All right, cool. And, and the yeah, time signature on the chorus is really odd as well. It kind of takes you a second to figure out what's going on, which is which is uh, pretty cool. The key, the keyboard part's in four and the guitar part's in five. Right. So five over four. Yeah, so there you go. There's the, <laughs> there's the prog for everybody. Um, I always felt like uh, Pull, if I can go back a little bit, was sort of the, the, the most under-recognized album from that period for me. And I think a, a lot of people I know sort of feel that way. Is that a record you look upon as sort of, it just missed the, the decade there where it could have been really huge? Yeah. I mean, if that came out second, I mean, it would have been much bigger. I mean, we, look, we came in at the tail end of the uh, of of thing. I was in Alice Cooper when Bon Jovi and Rat and all those bands were mad and Death Leopard and all that. Right. And if I had been out at that time with my band, it would have been a whole different story. Uh, too long to get to it. And I, we came out at the very end and the era was done, basically. And yeah. Which was, uh, you know, we weren't actually part of that. We were kind of part of it, but not because musically speaking, we were just one step to the left. So. I didn't really get it. Like, I didn't understand, like, even what merchandising was. I was like, I wanted to fucking do some cool music. That was my thing. But I didn't even know that selling the t-shirt was important. It didn't even dawn on me. So when we were like, well, what do we wear? It was like, well, we were, you know, when we wrote the first album, it was, MTV was huge. And we're looking at there going, oh, there's David Coverdale doing Still of the Night. And then there's, uh, you know, Jeff Leppard doing, uh, yeah, pour some sugar on me and Bon Jovi's doing living on a pair. So we were like, oh, let's put some of those clothes on and let's rock this shit. That's kind of how it all happened. Yeah, I know. It's and, funny. Uh, funny that way. It, it was all just, it was all very haphazard. It wasn't like, oh, we were one of these bands. Let's go for this. You know? Right. We were like, let's do some cool songs. And, oh, what do we wear? I don't fucking know. What do you want to wear? <laughs> like, well, what are they doing? Let's do that. Okay, cool. I know a lot of musician friends of mine that, that like even more of a, like a complicated stu- stuff like Dream Theater or, you know, whatever have you, um, have always appreciated what you guys have done and are, and are fans. And, and, um, uh, musically, I think you guys were on another level from a lot of those bands from that day. So, I appreciate that. Right. Yeah. I, you know, what, 
I would love to have my band like do a double album of completely just the most out there shit that we could come up with. Because trust me, man, it would be it would be way out there. Mm-hmm. We've never just allowed, we've never allowed ourselves to do it because it would really just be for guys like you. <laughs> you know? I guess I guess there would be. I don't know that a band called Winger would ever really capture the Dream Theater crowd, even though we could easily do that. Right. I mean, well, if you ever if you ever um, get bored and you got a few days, you know. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm up for doing that shit just to do it, you know. Right. So we'll see. I mean, I don't know really what's going to happen, but you know, we have a we have a certain thing, and and uh, this album definitely embodies all aspects of what we've done up until now, and so there is this is a bit of a launch pad for us because it it kind of has the whole. You're wondering what the band sounds like. You could just buy this new record and go, oh, well, this is the band. Yeah, it really does sort of cover cover everything you guys have done, and the album's amazing. Um, again, comes out April 22nd. I want to touch on your solo stuff for a little bit because I'm, I'm just a huge fan of those few albums you did, uh, especially um, uh, This Conversation Feels Like a Dream, which if anybody has not heard that album, it's amazing, and have, you have to go get it. Thank you. Uh, there's a couple of elements from that album and your soul stuff on on this album as well. I felt like a lot of the, the you know the the uh, twelve string guitar and some of the orchestra arrangements and stuff. Do you pull from that period now for the writing you're doing today? I do, man. You know, nowadays for a long time it kind of went like this: like, oh, I really want to write classical music, so let me just try to do that in Rainbow and the Rose. And then I was like, finally, I figured out like I studied. Orchestra, orchestra music and became an actual composer of orchestra music and then I don't have to do it in Winger anymore to like prove that I can do that. I just keep them separately and then the, the solo album stuff was like, okay, that's a separate thing and so I've kind of gone about developing these three personalities and try to keep them separate and and finally, in the end, I thought, you know what, fuck this. This is just, you know, ever wonder because that could easily be on my solo record. Mm-hmm. And I just started writing it, and I was like, well, this could be on my solo record, but it also could be this, you know, the band thing, because Headed for Heartbreak, it's just, if you if you produced it right, it could have been on a solo record, too. So I just, you know, I draw upon all those elements to bring to the band. In the, in the band case, Rev's kind of sensitive about it, so... Not in a bad way. It's just like, look, let's keep this thing kind of encapsulated. But, you know, uh, every once in a while, my other styles bleed through into this thing. There's no question about it. Because, I mean, I'm arranging it all. I'm basically finishing off all the music. You know, Red comes in and we do the basic tracks and the riffs and stuff. And and he leaves and I'm left to deal with it all. I write (laughs) all the melodies, you know, most of the lyrics. Um, I've... you know, produce it all, arrange it all, everything. So, it, it, I'd be hard for us not to have some of those elements and stuff. Right. And I draw, and I, and what, and they all feed each other. I mean, certainly my, all the stuff I've studied in classical music lends itself very well to the rock thing because I can see it all from another perspective and throw in, you know, stuff that people wouldn't normally throw in. One, one thing that I always liked about the solo albums is, is the production was very layered. You had like probably ten acoustic guitars over each other is what it sounded like, and ten vocal tracks, and uh, you know a song like Resurrection, which was off the the second one, um, is like so much stuff on there. Uh, do you still do you? That's also- more like that's more like that's more like eighty vocal tracks. Uh, there's a song on uh, from the Moon to the Sun that's got hundred and ten vocal tracks. 
<laughs> I learned that from Mike. You know, Mike Shipley, God rest his soul. I learned a lot of stuff from that guy, and some of it being like to actually get the depth of a lot of this stuff. You have to multi-track it to a point that you can't even believe, you know. And then all of a sudden, the picture of the audio becomes this 3D picture, and the only way to do it is to just multi-track the fuck out of certain things. Wow. So you so you saying like something a hundred times differently and recorded it, and then that that's all get all gets mixed in. Oh, yeah, well, it's more, you know, like, for example, if you have, if it's a four-part harmony, I'll do each line, like, eight or eight to 16 times on one one note, and then I'll grab the third and whatever harmony I'm doing, and I'll do eight to 16 tracks of that, and then, you know, and then you then there's a whole way of panning comes into how you want to pan them and all that kind of stuff, and, the, and it easily, easily knock off 100 tracks, easily. Wow, there you, that's that's pretty impressive. That's that's dedication right there. Even on the winger stuff with certain backgrounds, I'll do you know you do eight of each part minimum to get that sound. Right, you know, minimum. The shit they did on Death on Death Leopard that was like you know two hundred and fifty background vocal tracks on hey, you know that's <laughs> one thing you know have two hundred fifty tracks keep bouncing down. You know. that's, that's the only way to get the depth. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Cool to find out. Um, I wanted to ask you, I know we're running out of time and I have just so much to, to run by, but um, you're, you worked with Jordan Rudis from Dream Theater on a, on a few of his solo records, doing some singing, and, and there was a tribute album and stuff. How did you get involved with him and that whole thing? He's been a buddy for years. I, I met Jordan since when he, was, when he was way years ago, man, before, like when he was still working for Korg. I mean, nobody knew who he was. He was right. a friend of Rod. They, they did some stuff together. And Jordan had done a lot of stuff in the studio with different people. And, 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 you know, we've been talking about doing something. Also, me and Rod and Jordan have been talking about doing an ELP kind of thing for years. And we just haven't had a talk. We haven't figured out the time slot. And so we've been buds, you know. And, he's, and he just said, hey, we sing on my shit and I'm on the floors, you know. So um, I'm really proud of the stuff we did on the on the remake of the, uh, the Gentle Giant. That was bad. Uh, I was so happy to be able to do that because I was a huge fan of that record. To the average, uh, you know, prog fan or whatever, your name doesn't come up. But when you look at uh, an album like that, uh, you know, it's Jordan Rudis, first of all, from Dream Theater. And the other singers are on there, like Neil Morris and Steve Wilson and all these prog guys. And then you're in there. Hey, man, I got seniority. I'm older than all those motherfuckers. I grew up in the 70s, Okay. That's great. That's great, man. Uh, you know, what goes into an album these days for you sort of in your head and in, in terms of now you don't have, well, no one really has the pressure of MTV or radio, so you don't have to worry about that anymore. Does it free you? You look at it differently now? I approach everything the same. It's all still high level and I'm still trying to, you know, the one thing about working for a label back in the days, the bar was really high. They're like, no, sorry, you don't have any hits and this, you know, the group sucks and that sucks. We were never told what to do, but I always keep the old German there beating me in the head with a fucking hammer going, this sucks, dude. You got to be better than this. It's not good enough. And there's always a voice in me going, is this the best thing I can come up with? Could this be better? And that, you know, that is bled over from the old days of the big record companies just going, it ain't good enough. It ain't good enough. I mean, I delivered coal and I didn't have Down Incognito on coal and Doug Morris, uh, I mean, I had Spell I'm Under, which I thought was a huge hit. 
He's like, you don't have a head yet, so go back. And I, came, I went back and wrote down how to do that. So, I mean, I just, what I do is I keep that guy in my head for myself. Now. Yeah, that's cool. So I think, you know, the pressure's still on. I mean, it's still on to be good because, you know, there's more shit out there to compete with. Now everybody, everybody and their brother's coming up with a record and sticking it on YouTube. And you got to fucking... You know, there's a lot of good shit out there now because people can promote themselves and then all the talent that would have never been discovered before is all out there. I think I think the pressure's on now more than ever to fucking keep the bar up there. What bands are you into these days? Man, I don't know. People ask me that. And I, I, just, I listen to stuff and I hear, wow, that's good. You know, Foo Fighters always come up with something consistently cool. I like some of that new Dream Theater, some of the drums, the new drums. I like the, I saw Winery Dogs on the uh, cruise. That was good shit. And, you know, I like, I don't listen a lot to other stuff because I'm always writing stuff. I like mm-hmm. listen to a lot of classical music too. So, um, the guy I study with, Richard Daniel Moore, I listen to a lot of his music right now because I'm writing a new piece for Jake Shima Bakulu and, you know, I'm just kind of listening to that. And, uh, you know, Jake, have you heard of any of No. He's like the virtual, so he's a label player, but most of his bad, uh, you know, I'll check that out. <laughs> I'm writing a, a piece right now for orchestra, but yeah, I mean, I just, you know, bands, there's a lot of bands, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of, I, I, sorry if I sound like Sarah Palin, like, oh yeah, I look at all magazines, you know, they're all good. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. I just, you know, if it's good and it catches my ear, but when people ask me that kind of shit, my mind basically goes blank. Um, I'm assuming you guys are planning a tour for the new record. Is that, is that in the works? Yeah, man, we'll book, I mean, we, if you look at, you just go to our site and you'll see the dates, they're, they're popping up every now and then. Nowadays, it's not like proper touring, you just kind of, we go out every weekend and then fill in the weekdays when we can, basically. So, it's not like hopping a tour bus like the old days, unless, unless it's like the model cruise tour, but, uh, for, unfortunately, we're not on that. So, you know, we're doing, we're booked through the end of the year, so we'll be, we'll be around basically everywhere that we can do. Very cool, man. Hopefully, you guys will make it down to Florida so we can we can go check you guys out. We're definitely talking about Florida based right now. Okay. You guys have played here before, though. I yeah. saw. Uh, was it for Karma or it might have been for for Winger Four? I'm not, I but uh, I definitely saw you guys play, and it was uh, as good as always. So I appreciate that. Like I said, I'm a huge fan, and I'm just thrilled to speak with you, man. So good luck with the new record. I love it. I know your fans will love it, and um, you know, hopefully, we'll we'll see you around uh, down here. Okay, thanks for your time. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Thanks to Kit for the interview. We're going to close with a track off of Better Days Coming, the song Tin Soldier. For more information and upcoming interviews, please check theprogreport.com. Thanks.